I wasn't able to duplicate the accuracy of guys like Thompson in any way, shape, or form using much better instruments. What they managed to achieve is just astounding. It's one of the things that I'm just flabbergasted by. It's just incredible how good those people were at what they were doing. And that includes, of course, Indigenous people, how amazing they were at figuring out where they were and where to go. So the traditional navigation component, you and I talked about how it was time-consuming. And at the time, the navigation was relatively simplistic because I was on the Saskatchewan River. But once you get into Ontario, it's out of this world hard. Even finding the portages is hard because they're not marked and they're in the bush. Navigation is daily concern. <laughs> Every Actually, it's an hourly concern. I'm Peter McCulley. Bert Turhart has set out to paddle a canoe and portage across Canada, paying homage to the routes that the early explorers and the First Nations used. He left in April. When Today in BC continues, we catch up with Bert to see where he is and how the trip has been going to date. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green. Offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. We're chatting with Bert Turhart about his solo canoe trip that will take him through seven of ten of Canada's provinces. Thanks for joining us today, Bert. Peter, it's my pleasure to be with you. Uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. Where are you on your route and how long has it taken you to get there? Canoe is actually in a marina within sight of the Parliament building. So it's on the Quebec side of the Ottawa River in Hull. It was a place that I could leave it and get locked up. And I'm actually talking to you from Canada. Some very kind souls have been extremely helpful during the trip, and I've been well looked after while I've been here in Ottawa. So there's some logistics that, that are following me along and I have to deal with, so maps and, and resupply and those sorts of things. So these people have kindly taken me under their wing. So I'm talking to you from the canoe is in Hull, literally less than the stone's throw away from the Parliament building. Excellent. That's a good view. How many miles have you, yeah. or kilometers, have you traveled so far? It's interesting. We've been keeping track of how far I've, I've been going, but everyone, you know, just sort of measures in a straight line. So they would go to Google Maps and say, okay, well, how far is it safe from Vancouver to where I am now? In a straight line, it's just under 3,700 kilometers. But I've traveled about 1,800 kilometers north and south because the rivers, of course, never go in a straight line. So I, I started at 49 north on the border, basically, and I went as far north as 54 and came back down to 49. That in itself is 14 or so, 1,500 kilometers. I, I actually started in Vancouver, paddled to Haida Gwaii, and then paddled back down and said, okay, now I'm going to start. All told, it's close to 6,000 kilometers now. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> have, you, have you figured out how many of those miles or kilometers have you portaged versus paddling? Yes, sadly, it's also a very large number. So I pulled the canoe behind me <laughs> close to uh, just about 750 kilometers. So that's uh, pulling a loaded canoe down the highway, wearing a tracking harness with the canoe on a cart is 750 kilometers. I had an understanding that I would be pulling the canoe, but if, if someone had told me it would, be, it would be 750 kilometers, I might have had second thoughts about the entire enterprise. It's a very long time towing the canoe just a normal carry with the canoe over your head, our typical image of someone portaging a canoe. That has been, I'd say, in the order of 40 to 45 kilometers, all told so far. Still a lot. Still a lot, because you have to remember that every portage I have to do a number of times. So if the portage itself is, say, 500 meters, I have to do that 500-meter stretch seven times. There's three packs, so you know it's there and back with one pack, there and back with another, and there and back with the third. 
and the last trip is with the canoe. So when I say it's 45 kilometers total the portage, and you can multiply that number by something like seven. So a very long distance. When we chatted a few months ago, you mentioned that you needed to travel pretty light so you could easily portage the canoe. How has that worked out so mm-hmm. far? Is there anything that you wish you had brought along that you thought you might not have room for? No, actually, in hindsight, I probably brought too much. So there's clothes that I have, in fact, only worn a few times. So I could have actually done with less clothes, which is astounding, considering I've worn pretty much the same thing. I paddle pretty much into the same clothes, but I have uh, winter clothes and things like that. So there's clothes I could have left at home. What I've been doing pretty much since we talked last is sending stuff back home when I can, just just to make uh, everything easier. So every ounce counts. And when I was paddling the big lakes of Manitoba and the long stretches on the on the bigger rivers, then it, it pays. Your body thanks you every waking moment for every ounce that you've taken out of the canoe. There's nothing I wish I would have brought, but there's things I definitely could have done without. Have there been any surprises along the way? I'm supposing you've probably been up close with nature more than a few times. Well, I suppose the, the biggest surprise to date has been a bear that tried to get in the tent with me in it. <laughs> There's, if a bear trying to get into your tent can't wake you up and can't get you going first thing in the morning, then I'm not sure exactly can. That's probably been the biggest surprise. And the other one, I think, in a more general context is how severe the weather has been. And I've been on the edge of two supercells, one up at Cedar Lake, which is Manitoba, south of the Paw, another one in Kenora, and then on the edge of a tornado in Nestor Falls, which is in Ontario. So I've been chased by thunderstorms almost continuously all, all the way across certainly half of Saskatchewan and then all of Manitoba and then Ontario to date. So the weather has been extreme. It's been nine out of 10 days I've been rained on. So that's a bit of a surprise. I wasn't expecting you know that much moisture. But the surprises other than the bear have all been good. And certainly in terms of wildlife, I've been fortunate enough to see all kinds of things, some very rare things as well. There was a cougar on the bank one day. That was a pleasant surprise because I was in the boat and he was on the bank. That was good. So I, I noticed on your website when I checked in to see where you were that you've been getting folks that you meet along the way to sign the canoe. So how many Mm -hmm. signatures do you think you have so far? Oh, I probably have close to 300 or 350 signatures on the canoe. It's got to the point where some of them have worn off and it was going through the brush or banging against rocks or whatever the case might be. So some of them have worn off. But yeah, it's been one of the real pleasures of the trip, actually, is that people are very excited to find the canoe so it's, it's a wonderful way to, to share what i'm doing and for them to get excited about you know what their own adventure might be there's a lot of signatures on the canoe it's been just a treat you know to see people's face light up and if they ask if they can sign it or ask them to sign it it's been one of my real pleasures actually sounds like you've met some interesting folks all the people i the people that you meet make all the hardships melt away some of my worst days i've met some of the best people so it's it's just been absolutely extraordinary it's an amazing country, and there's some beautiful people that live here, especially in those faraway places, but the other way places. I've been incredibly fortunate to meet some amazing people whose own stories are every bit as inspirational and, and, and motivational as, as anything that, that I think I could ever do. And, and I've been fortunate enough to be helped, again, by some just incredibly generous, kind, and, and compassionate people. So it's been one of the... I know this from my sailing adventures that the, you know, the people in faraway places tend to be there for a particular reason and they all have very interesting stories but this has been just just out of this world it's, there's hardly a word i think um for me to to express how grateful i've been for the help i've received and how amazing inspirational and motivational it is for me to find out about what i'm doing they just can't do enough for me 
they are genuinely and sincerely interested in me succeeding. I just can't find it in my heart to, to disappoint all the, all the people that, you know, that I've met along the way. So it's one of the things that, that keeps me going when the moments get dark. And there's certainly a few of those on a trip this long. Have you got any plans to do something memorable with the canoe when you finish the trip? Are you going to hang it in the local pub or put it in your living room? Or have you thought about that? The canoe is actually supposed to be going to the Gabriola Museum. That's where it's home to be. So before I left, I asked if they'd be interested in having the canoe. And everyone was nodding their head. I'd probably thinking that it would never happen. But if I'm lucky, I still need to be lucky. I still need to be very fortunate to finish because there's a lot of work ahead of me. But if I didn't get it finished, then the Gabriola Museum has first dibs on it. When Today in BC continues, Bert Turhart talks about paddling to the Atlantic. From the latest community news to informative, entertaining reads for travelers and the cannabis curious, just visit your local Black Press Media community newspaper website to sign up today. I'm Peter McCulley. Today in BC is a Black Press Media podcast. Bert Turhart is paddling and portaging his way across Canada. Bert, when you complete the trip, you'll become the first person to cross the continent in this fashion under your own steam and as we talked about in our first podcast, to do that in your 60s must make you feel pretty good. So how do you feel right now? You're a little more than halfway through the trip. I feel really good, actually. I've been really lucky not to have been injured, which would put an end to things right now. I've been very careful about not getting hurt, and I'm still feeling quite strong. I'm not suffering from the rigors of the trip today, which, again, is a, it's a bit of a surprise. because This trip would have been much easier in your 20s, 30s, even 40s. So it's a bit of a thing to do it when you're 63, but so far, so good. That certainly anybody else at my age can do it as well as long as they're careful. So the key is that I've been careful. I've been careful about trying to maintain my energy levels. I've been careful about not getting injured. And I've been careful about how much energy I can extend day to day. The, o- the only issue has been getting enough to eat. And COVID had, had an impact. Little grocery stores that have suffered are either they're either closed or they're you know running reduced hours. That means that I've had some difficulty getting food in places where I thought that wouldn't be an issue. But other than those things, it's been, uh, it's been good so far. I was going to tongue-in-cheek say, so you've had trouble loading up on oatmeal. Because <laughs> in our first discussion, you talked about that was going to be one of your staples. Oatmeal is something that I have every single day if I don't actually eat a really dense breakfast. So that's oatmeal and dried nuts and uh, brown sugar. I'll just literally will run out of gas sometime later mid-afternoon. How is the <laughs> canoe performing? You haven't sprung a leak anywhere in a river rapids, have you? No, I haven't. The canoe has certainly taken a beating. I've not been kind to the canoe. I, I was heaping the abuse on the canoe, so it's full of scratches. It blew down the river once, so there's some fractures in it, but it certainly hasn't sprung a leak. And when I went through Atacocan, central Ontario, that's where the canoe is manufactured. They thought it looked remarkably good considering their adventure. I thought I was going to get a bit of a lecture on, on treating one of their beautiful creations so badly. But, you know, the canoe has stood up remarkably well. It was one of the things that I was actually very careful about. I tried to make a smart choice about the canoe, and I was lucky enough to get a canoe that would stand up to the test. So far, no leaks, and I've hit more than my share of rocks. I think another canoe might not have fared so well, but I've been lucky. And hopefully, fingers crossed, that sort of stuff is behind me. So there's not a bunch of rapids in my future, and mostly sandbars and tidal estuaries in a couple weeks. Sure, the canoe is going to outlast me. Let's put it that way. (laughs) The point of your trip was to use some of the waterways that have been used by Canadian pioneers and to navigate with traditional instruments. When we chatted a few months ago, you mentioned that the traditional navigation plan can be more time-consuming. Has everything 
gone according to plan in that regard? Doing it without GPS is mind-numbingly difficult. When I went through Lake of the Woods, for example, there's 14,500 islands on Lake of the Woods. And when I was going to there, people were just thinking, it's, they were telling me it's impossible, you have a GPS. Well, of course, it's not impossible because there was, there was a time when GPS wasn't in use, just a map and a compass. I'm, I'm surprised because I didn't think it would be this difficult. I'm proficient enough with those things to feel confident in using them, but it is incredibly difficult. And I can't imagine First Nations people doing it or early Europeans that came to this country with, without a map and sometimes without a compass. So the knowledge that's been lost in terms of, of how to get from A to B and, and, what's around, and what's around this corner or that river bend, it is that difficult because there's so many choices. And there isn't an hour that I paddle that I don't have to make a choice about which way I'm going. So it's incredibly difficult. I wasn't able to duplicate the accuracy of guys like Thompson, you know, geographers and cartographers in any way, shape, or form using much better instruments. So I'm talking about my sextant and what they managed to achieve. It's just incredible how good those people were at what they were doing. And that includes, of course, Indigenous people, how amazing they were at figuring out where they were and where to go. So the traditional navigation component, I think you and I talked about how it was time-consuming. And at the time, the navigation was relatively simplistic because I was on the Saskatchewan River. But once you get into Ontario, it's out of this world hard. Even finding the portages is hard because they're not marked and they're in the bush. Navigation is daily concern. <laughs> Every Actually, it's an hourly concern, let's put it that way. Bert, you were planning to reach the Atlantic just north of a place my wife and I used to live. It's now called Miramichi City, but in those days it was Newcastle-Chatham. You're hoping to be there in mm-hmm. mid-November. Are you on schedule? I was following you on the map. I thought you might be a little ahead of schedule. Yeah, I'm ahead of schedule. So I probably have 40 days left. But my original goal was to get back before my dad's birthday, which is October 13th. It would be great not to be in the Atlantic on November 15th. <laughs> yeah, that would be. Yeah, Peter, that's, uh, I want to say that's an understatement, but I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that would be wise. I think that would be very wise. So uh, the last place I want to be is in a canoe in the, North, in the Atlantic Ocean on November 15th. So. <laughs> I don't blame you, believe me. How can folks follow the trip across the country as you're finishing up? The best way is to go to the website, and the website has links to Facebook and Instagram and email as well. So if they go to kainani.ca, there's links to, to the satellite tracker. There's links to all the blog posts. So if anybody's listening and they'd like to reach out, I would be more than happy to, to talk to them. I have to admit, Peter, I've been a little bit behind in writing. That's one of the ways I've been decompressing along the way is taking photographs that inspire me in some way, shape, or form, and then writing about what I'm going through, what I'm feeling, or what my experiences are when I took those pictures. Those posts are on uh, the website, of course, and on Facebook and Instagram. And I'm a bit behind because I'm usually pretty tired at the end of the day. So I'm doing my best to catch up on all the posts. I'd like to thank Bert Turhart for being with us on this edition of Today in BC. If you have suggestions or comments, send a voice message to podcast at blackpress.ca. You may be part of our podcast mailbag segment. You'll find Today in BC podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, and Google Podcasts.